This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Welcome back to the Comstock Channel. My name is Brian Hendrickson. Due to blizzards, Eric is not able to join us, but Justin and Matthew are both able to join us today to kind of take over. Welcome, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> Justin, you're the one with the snow. So Matthew's all excited. He's like, I don't have to deal with the snow. So <laughs> it's, yeah, that's true. But uh, I guess we're mid-January. I'm trying to be glasses half full that winter's half over and not just getting started. So here we go. You, Middle of you January. Think it's half over. You don't know that. Uh, we, we could get snow in late April yet. <laughs> Well, and that would be one catalyst that would probably help our commodity markets out. But we can get to that with the uh, USDA and WASDE report out today. Yeah. yeah, you guys had a busy day, like you said. WASDE, crop production report, grain stocks all came out at 11. So busy, busy day. Let's go ahead and dive in. Um, Justin, Matthew, whoever wants to start. Go ahead, Matthew. You... you uh, or the South American bean resident uh, or expert yeah. there uh, looking at, for, but for the week, we ended up beans down 32 cents, uh, closed it on the March contract. January is going off the board, but 12, 24 and a quarter. Um, as we dive into these numbers, it'll be interesting to see what you have to say about these, Matthew. I know you put out a couple podcasts about these or YouTube videos, but what did you think of today's USDA report. Well, I mean, overall, it was disappointing. I think it was a it was a bearish surprise, right? I, you know, I was kind of thinking we were finding our bottom, and uh, it was a little bit of roller coaster. You know, an hour after the the uh, report came out, it was like, oh boy, here we go again. But uh, we've all things considered, we uh, bounced off our lows pretty well. We fought back, and and so I like it when we. We have those long tails on the charts the way we do that uh, um, you, you probably have them in front of you better than me. But uh, and the beans, we, we uh, bounced 20 cents off our lows, um, you know, and so that that was kind of good to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the report was surprising uh, just because they increased the, the yields so much, um, uh, which seems hard to believe. And, and uh I'm probably going to have a lot of people scratching their heads, you know, what's going on here. But uh, the USDA basically said that we had a uh, record all-time yield in corn, right, at uh, 177.3 bushels per acre. They increased it 2.4 bushels per acre. And um, just considering the, you know, I'm not, I don't think anyone thought it was going to be a disaster year or anything like that, but it just seems hard to believe um you know considering the the drought stress that the crop went through um you know if it uh is legit and that's the 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 real yield that we got uh it kind of makes me a little bit concerned going into the future right if we have more ideal weather conditions what's the yield going to turn out to be you know um you know getting 181 182 bushels per acre doesn't sound so far-fetched anymore if we can get 177.3 record yield uh, in adverse conditions like this. And so, um, you know, the only thing that really saved us was they cut the uh, harvested acres by 600,000, almost 700,000 acres um, it, for the corn. And so uh, if they hadn't done that, it, uh, we would have, you know, 
seeing the, the market down double digits today. So, um, well, yeah, we, did, we did end up down double digits, but so I'd peel that layer back and I look at all these things and, and looking at the, the report, yes, it did take an anchors cut, but we really didn't see a stocks change. And to me, as we move forward, that's going to be important. Uh, exports, we are competitive. Everybody has been talking about that for a while. The question is, that when does China show up, if they show up, to take some of the surplus off our hands? And I thought it was pretty positive. We know ethanol has been fairly decent on the grind lately. But the fact that we left carry out relatively unchanged, we, we did trade lower today, but we did bounce off the lows by six cents. So going into Tuesdays, it's kind of a question of it, have we put the bottom in, right? Or have we done enough to spur demand? Well, I mean, we're, we're in this situation a couple months ago, and I think a lot of people, and probably myself included, thought we would have put the bottom in. Um, but yeah, it, there's a little bit of a bullish divergence in the stochastics today, which, um, you know, gives me a little bit more of a warm, fuzzy feeling that we put the bottom in, uh, at least temporarily. But like you said, okay, now we know the um, what the production side was after today. Finally, uh, it wasn't good, but we know what it is now. Uh, and so now we need the demand to kick in and exports uh, to start to, to pick up. Um, yeah, they did uh, increase the uh, the ethanol consumption by 50 million bushels, which was good. Um, they didn't mess with the exports. And so there's there's plenty of time yet for that. You know, our, our peak export window is in kind of the first half of 2024. So we we hope to see some improvements there for corn. And moving forward into historically not a great time to price grain. We're moving into the crop insurance pricing. I, I don't know that we need to have an acres buying session as we have in the past, but I'm cautiously optimistic that as we move forward, we get some more of those seasonality markets, um, at least to help us out on the corn. Uh, the 177 doesn't necessarily surprise me as a yield for the most part. There were pockets of poor corn out there, but uh, the majority of the people I talked to were, even the ones that were down from their APH, still pleasantly surprised with the yield this year. So. I think all in all, USDA probably, you know, that's probably the number, well, it is the number we will trade moving forward, and hopefully we can get some demand to pick up or some fresh news out of South America to get those funds to start covering those uh, massive shorts in the corn pit. Yeah, domestically in the soybeans, it wasn't great news. You know, they uh, increased the, you know, the yield seven-tenths of a bushel, which uh, I think surprised a lot of people too. Um, took us to 50.6 bushels per acre with the, the soybean yield overall. Um, but again, what saved us is they cut the harvested acres by 400,000 acres in, in, the, uh, in the beans. And so that added uh, 36 million bushels to our overall production. Uh, they didn't really make any changes to the exports yet, um, but uh, it tacked on another 35 million bushels, which Historically, it probably wouldn't be that much, but when we have such tight stocks and the soybeans the way we do now, it took us from 245 to 280. Um, that's not uh, not good. And so we 
we need the exports, uh, something to kick in on demand. And so a lot of people are, you know, going to go back to focusing on weather in South America again. And, uh, um, you know, we threw together a chart here that kind of shows you what the bears, soybean bears have been pointing out that, yeah, there's been some, uh, uh, inclimatic weather in the center West region. And I, we've talked about a lot in our report. Um, and it's probably has shaved off some of the yield in, in Brazil, but, if you combine the, the three main soybean production uh, countries in South America, Brazil and Argentina and Paraguay, it still adds up to a, a bigger crop overall than what we've seen in previous years, just primarily because, um, you know, for one, Argentina had such a bad year this last year due to drought, and they can effectively double their production um, from 25 million metric tons to 50 million metric tons for this year. And so they're, Argentina so far is having a great season uh, to their crop. Um, you know, I guess I expected USDA to make some cuts, but I didn't expect them to um, drop it to what at least I think is reality and what a lot of the private estimates are out there. They were at, uh, I think, 160, uh, 161 last month, and they dropped to 157. Um, I think I'm at 153, and, and uh, we're going to go – take a crop tour here uh, in the next 10 days and um, take a closer look and, and probably end up revising that lower yet. Uh, there was actually a, a private estimate that came out yesterday that was the lowest that I've seen so far that was at 143 uh, millimetric tons. So that's 15 millimetric tons less than what the USDA just came out at. So they're uh, lowering their yield, it's just they drag their feet and it takes so long for them to, to catch up to, you know, where a lot of the private estimates are at. Um, but uh, so I still think if that were to happen, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, the crop is 143 million metric tons, um, but uh, I also don't think it's, uh, you know, 157 um, what the USDA came in at either. And so I still think there's more cuts to come. Um, maybe Argentina offsets that a little bit, but uh, uh, we're supposed to get a return to maybe some dry weather here next week in Brazil, which could offer up some price support to the bean market. Um, but uh, anyway, that's that's what the South America um, you know crop overall is looking like, and what I think the market bears are pointing to. Well, and you saw a two million metric ton increase in Argentina production, up to fifty versus a forty-eight. So. The, the thing that I take home from the bean market, yes, we're down 32 in the week in the March. But the positive is, and I feel like I'm always the glasses half full guy, but we are 21 and a quarter off of the low of the day. So we flushed out, you know, did we run some stops lower, uh, find a bottom, find a place that uh, the funds, you know, maybe push pause the algorithm traders that see those big numbers flash and immediately trigger sells. Do we find that that clean out where we can possibly grind higher or at least put some risk premium back in the in the market? It, it really doesn't feel like there's a lot of risk premium in the market when we we move lower that sharply on the week with so much uncertainty in South America yet. Yeah. Um, Argentina being better, great. Brazil, I, I don't think anybody buys a 157 number like Matthew said. So. Is it 151? Is it 148? I do think that matters, and I think it's just a matter of time before we get there. Uh, yeah. You know, 
keep an eye on the export sales moving into next week. If we start seeing some flash sales pick up, um, probably that would be a very good sign, in my opinion, that we have gotten to a bottom or at least close to a bottom in this thing. Justin, what do you tell people that still have old crop sales? I mean, even even ourselves, I mean, we're in this situation where I think 75% sold in our corn and, um, you know, based off of what we, the price action today, we probably wish we were 100% sold. But, uh, uh, I mean, for those looking for clean up old crop, I mean, what do you tell guys to do? Well, for, first off, here we go, right? Like everybody's sitting on probably 80% of their production, very little sold. Moving forward, I had quite a few conversations today. We did buy some short dated puts ahead of the report just to prevent a washout or a rundown on stops. Uh, the basis in your area is if it's relatively firm yet, I don't like the price, but I wouldn't let a good basis slip away. And the reason I'm saying that is after my 18, 19 years of, of being in the cash market, we do have a 2-1 carryout. Okay, regardless what the funds do, regardless if we move this thing higher, the USDA just told end users that they're probably not going to have to get super aggressive on the basis, right? So if there is a good basis number out there, you can go ahead and take a look at that or give us a call. And there's some things we can do on the top side. Um, with either buying a call or doing some sort of option strategy. If you want to remain in the market, uh, I have some guys that are doing that, uh, sold some old crop corn, did some July um, option strategies. And looking at this thing is we have 80% of last year's crop to sell and 100% of what we're going to grow next year, all of those numbers underwater. So you know, if there's something that looks attractive, don't be afraid to take advantage of it. We have a ton of bushels we need to market yet on the corn. Uh, don't let that slip by. On the soybean side of things, you know, I just think that timing-wise, we probably need to get start looking at getting something on the books. It seems to me those soybeans, if we don't get them marketed into February, you're going to end up carrying them into that July-August time frame, either being a zero or a hero. And the cost to carry on those soybeans at 7 to 9% interest, which we've talked quite a bit about on the Comstock report, but those costs really do add up. So I guess I'm focusing on basis. If basis numbers are good enough in your area, we're probably going to start moving some grain. If there's something we need to reown, we can definitely, or some sort of option strategy, either reown it or uh, otherwise take a look at that on an individualized basis. But Everybody's fairly undersold on the corn, more so than the beans, which is another reason I thought maybe beans would maybe make a little bit move higher. But it's awful hard to get the board to rally when the farmer owns this, this high of a percentage of the crop. This just kind of uh, uh, snowballs the problems that we're facing going into new crop in the 2024, right? Because I don't see anything changing um in the long run and in terms of our carryover can actually get even worse. And so I guess our, or my impression, and you tell me if you agree with this or not, would be that we, um, we want to be more aggressive advancing forward crop sales, you know, before planting season really 
takes off here because uh, we saw that last year that we didn't even get to spring planting and the price kind of tanked by early March, you know, that, that they were looking at the weather forecast two months out and they got a whiff of uh, good, good spring planting weather. And that was it. That's all the market needed. It just tanked. And that's what my concern going into this again is, uh, you know, you can make the argument that, okay, we're going to cut corn acres and increase bean acres, but it's still not enough, especially if we get a trend line yield, you know, we're getting this 177 plus bushel yield and arguably rough years. I mean, what if we have a more ideal season, you know, and so we can still, there's still a good argument to say that, you know, this can get a lot worse long-term before it gets better. And so I, I think we want to be prepared for that. I, I would agree. First and foremost, we have the crop in the bin, right? Um, the interest clock is calculating the calendars flipping over every day towards closer to springtime. Um, and, and that's why I'm saying, you know, we have 2.1 billion carry out. If there's a basis number out there, it's probably time to take a look at it. The, if it's still relatively decent at your local market. Yeah. Um, the new crop, you know, even last year, you, you throw that out there that we trended lower, which is true. We did trend lower, but we also did have an opportunity in June to go back and sell levels above crop insurance levels. So I'm cautiously optimistic on that. We have no idea where the crop insurance level is going to be, but seasonality, I, you know, we do have a little bit of time on that. So while I'm putting offers in, I'm probably not jumping off the top of the leg yet. Question I might have for you, Justin, is we haven't talked a lot about the managed money and what effect that's having on the market, too, because I feel like, you know, we talk about all these fundamentals and, you know, in terms of the yield and what South America is going to do. But at the same time, I feel like the 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 managed money has been grabbing a hold of this and and, you know, it's by, no they're selling record shorts and and driving this market further and they 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 they're the ones that i feel like are are driving this train steering the the, the this vehicle right now and do you see that changing cuz it i know joe talked a lot about to the the managed money and what those levels are at and so there is there an argument to be made that okay we're at we're reaching levels where we're very heavily short. A lot of those guys are going to start taking their profits, profits and getting out. So obviously I, I don't know when that's going to happen. I wish I did, but I was going to save this comment for the final conclusion when Brianne asked what we thought about the week, but I will back this. I, I'll use it right now. So many times I've seen bear markets put a, put a bottom in, put a reason for the funds to stop selling it on a bearish report. It is a futures market. It's known. We know the number. It's going forward. There's still a large swath of the Corn Belt that's dry. Granted, it's too early to talk drought, way too early to talk drought or any sort of planting weather. But December corn at 481, yes, we could be looking at a 2-2 to a 2-8 carryout next year. But you also can't, at this time, discount a one four or some, you know, uh, some sort of disaster and priced in there at 481 today. It doesn't feel to me like that's, that's fairly priced at this time or the risk. And we talked earlier and I know you've talked quite a bit about it, but the Safrina crop 
if we get less bushels down there to export, will that push some of that third quarter business to to the United States? August, September, we sometimes in the grain business have second harvest where you see bushels move just to make space and move at a relatively reasonable price. So will, will those exports come slamming to the United States? I don't really know, but I will say in my 19, 20 years, Unless a lot of a lot of bear markets have been killed by bearish reports. All right, let's kind of wrap up a little, but let's not forget about livestock. Justin, I'll let you take the boat on this one. Well, here we go with the blizzards out west. We had slower harvest this week, uh, backed up. Nobody wants to deal with the pen conditions or trying to truck cattle down the road, things like that. We did see smaller kill numbers for the week. Fat cattle ended up up 80 cents at 170, 90. Choice select. The one thing I want to point out, I know Eric put a slide up last week about the choice uh, box beef and the rib dropping over $100. We have seen a nice rebound. Today at the midday, the choice cutout was 289.58, up 369. That we printed, uh, I think it was last week, a 278 on that. So we are seeing some rebound in those higher end cuts. Uh, pulling those choices ahead. Packers still losing money. Feeder's not very happy. It's kind of who's going to blame first. I do think once we clear out these storms, which we always have winter storms, it happens. But once we clear out these, there is better days probably coming in the cattle market. It just may take a little bit of time to chew through this inventory. All right. Overall, how do you guys feel about all the reports coming out this week? Well, I thought I thought it was terrible. The stocks are the reports it was terrible but but it's out of the way right that's the only good thing about it it's past us hopefully most of the negative news is is in the market now you would think and so um you know it's it's i i I would advise people against panic selling i always hate that because it's hard to not be emotional when the you know the price is uh dropping 30 cents at one point in the day you know and so i would just advise people to try and avoid being emotional and avoid the panic selling and, uh, and, you know, kind of look for the that seasonal to kick in as Justin talked about. Yeah. Watch your basis. If there's a number out there that looks attractive, give us a call. We can always do something in the options market. Um, hopefully we have better days to come. I don't know why every time I'm on here, it's down hard, but I guess that's just the way it is. Eric will be back hopefully next week. And, uh, We'll have some more positive news to talk about. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Hope you guys have a good weekend. It is a three-day weekend just for our viewers and listeners. So we will be back Tuesday. Justin, hope you don't get snowed in. (laughs) Matt, I really enjoy the sun. All right. Thank you, guys. You too. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.